this morning, I want to speak to you from my heart to your hearts. Because we are living in a very precarious environment. I want to talk about being a peacemaker. Being a peacemaker, becoming more God-like. Okay, where are we? All right, good. We are living in a very broken world. And I want to share with you how broken our world is today. First of all, we have the Russian-Ukraine war that has really made the world such a bad, terrible place to live in. We have 7,000 civilian deaths, 5,000 deaths among the Ukrainian soldiers. By the way, the numbers are keep going up, right? And 40,000 deaths among even the Russian soldiers. And the worst thing is there are 10 million refugees and displaced people. Imagine one out of four Ukrainians is being displaced today. It's like one out of four Malaysians, one out of four Singaporeans being displaced. But the displacement and the war has created a very significant impact on the world's poor because there are less supply getting to them and many of the poor are suffering and dying because of the lack of grain from the Black Sea. Secondly, we see also rampant corruption, insatiable greed, that the second brokenness of our world. I'm sure you're still familiar with the one MBD. Even Volkswagen, you know, a branded German brand can get into emission scandal. And Wells Fargo Bank, which is the world's number one bank five years ago, has also been involved in scandal where they tried to get people, ordinary people, to get into all kinds of deals and accounts. And of course, Singapore is not spared at all when we have the capital uh, in Brazil scandal. And this scandal spread all over, not only to the corporate world, but to all kinds of sports. Can you imagine? Every sport is tainted. Football, athletic, swimming, golf, tennis, and even cycling. You know, the uh, Lance Armstrong, the seven Tour de France champion, was involved in the greatest scandal of all time when he tried to get people to be doped so that they can win the race. We also have the third brokenness of the world, the income inequality, which causes social harmony. Do you know that in 2016, Half the, the wealth of 50 of the world's population belong to 62 richest billionaires. Today, in 2023, half the world's wealth belong to eight richest people. And Oxfam, Oxfam said this, extreme wealth is economically inefficient, politically corrosive, socially divisive, and environmentally destructive. And we see this income inequality that is raging across the world and causes social disharmony. The poor and the socially displaced. You have your M40, right? Uh, and now become, what, M50? D40. No, I'm thinking of D40 durian. Uh, that's why I'm living. Sorry, uh, this, this durian, durian thing is... Influencing my speech. 
And then, of course, we have climate change and environmental pollution. You know, WHO says that environmental pollution kills 1.7 million children under the age of five every year worldwide. I cannot believe it when I did this research. I know some of you don't believe me, but now you can go to Mr. Google and check my facts, right? I know some of you are already checking, especially the young people, they're checking all the time. Yeah. And of course, broken homes and increasing marital and family breakups. One in four women face domestic violence. One in 14 men also faces domestic violence. And I got these statistics about divorces in Malaysia. Just to let you know, in 2018, for example, 2018, you have 50,862 divorces. In 2019, the number has gone up to 56,975, which is a 12% increase. Guess what happened during the pandemic? Do you think it goes up or goes down? Goes up. You are right. So right now, according to your statistics, there are 76,786 divorces. The increase has become 34.8%. This is Malaysia. In Singapore, it's the same. Then, of course, the final thing that we have is deteriorating mental health, rising depression. These are all from your Malaysian national statistics. One in three Malaysians have mental health issues. One out of three of us with the highest prevalence among those aged between 16 to 19, as well as those from low-income families, mental health. Because of loss of income, loss of job, uncertainty of the future. They're all worried. Children not getting to school. Now, this is the depression statistics worldwide. There are 300 million people worldwide experiencing depression. This is from WHO. And 3.1 million people between the ages of 12 and 17 in the US have experienced at least one major depression. About one, 3.1 million people. My gosh. And this is from Malaysian National Health and Morbidity Survey in 2019. Three in ten Malaysians have hypertension. Three times more facing the male than the females. 500,000 suffering from depression in your country. 424,000 children found to have mental problems. What a challenge. What a broken world that we live in. Let me just tell you what is God doing? So the question is, where is God? And sometimes God seems to be nowhere. But I want to tell you, God is now here. He is here right in our midst. But the question we ask is, what is God doing in our broken world? What do you think God is doing? How do you think our father is feeling? You know, one day my youngest daughter, Mitsu, when she was a teenager, she came to me and said, Dad, is God your father? I said, yes, of course, God is my father. Is God your good friend? 
I said, yes, of course, God is my good friend. He said, if God is your father and your good friend, if you have a good friend, usually you will ask your friend when you meet the good friend, how are you, right? Don't you do that? You have a good friend, you come and say, hey, how are you? And she asked me, Dad, have you ever asked God, how are you? Wow. Let me ask you, every morning when you wake up, are you more concerned about yourself or are you more concerned about how God is feeling? How do you think God is feeling today? I suggest to you, if you want to be God conscious, you need to come to God and every morning and say, God, Father, how are you feeling today? God, how are you feeling? I want to suggest to you, God, our Father, is deeply grieved. He is grieved because when He sees His people in despair and His children that are so divided in the world, with the wars, with the income inequality. And listen, my friend, God wants us to rebuild lives and restore relationships. That's the purpose of God. You ask any father, any parent, I have three children. You know, what do I want from my children? Whenever I see them sharing the meal, talking nicely to the may-may, you know, and then sharing the pencil, you know, you know, one pencil they share. And then they are very kind to one another. That's called a miracle. That's called a miracle. What do they fight about? I call it the one pencil phenomenon. Somehow they... My son wants that one pencil. I said, there are many other pencils. No, 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 I want Cheche's pencil. I said, why? Because I just want it. Wow. And they fight, right? They say all kinds of unkind things to each other. They are not helpful. They play games by themselves. They don't want to share. But what makes the father most happy is when we see them sharing, caring, loving and helping each other. But what's happening to our world? What makes the father, what makes the father sad is when they see the children fighting, divided. God's purpose, listen my friend, I want to share three points. God's purpose in the world has never changed. He seeks peace and wants to rebuild lives. That is God's purpose. While humankind is in the business of dividing and breaking, God is in the business of building and repairing. This is what He does best. That's why we are called to be peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Listen, my friend, you and I are most like God when we make peace. You and I are most like God when we make peace. You know why? Because God is the ultimate peacemaker. When we are rebelling against Him, when we fail Him, 
When we sin against Him, when we go far away from Him, God is chasing after you. He wants to make peace with you because He's interested in you. He loves you. He wants to rebuild your life. But we keep rejecting Him. But God never gives up. That's what we say. God is chasing after you. God is the ultimate peacemaker. And God wants us to be peacemakers like Him. And we are most like Him when we make peace. Our God wants to rebuild life. And He starts with you. He starts with you and me. He must start with you. Second, so God's purpose is what? Is to rebuild life and make peace. The second thing is God's method of changing the world has never changed. He uses people. The world, human uses robots, processes, and technology. Elon Musk now can create a robot and build a car by itself. It's efficiency. But God's method of changing the world has never changed. He uses you and me. You and me. You and me. But what kind of people does God use? This is where the Beatitudes come in. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. But what kind of people God uses? First of all, God uses those who are dependent on Him. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, God blessed those who are poor and realize their need for Him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. If you look at the world and you feel helpless and you call out to God, God help me, God wants to use you. you know the challenge with many of us as Christians is that we live our lives as though God doesn't exist. We live our lives as though God doesn't exist. If you are like me, we are not very God conscious. How do I know? Let me just ask you a very simple question. And let me say this to you. Whatever you think about the first thing in the morning regularly is your God and my God. Whatever you think about and worry about the first thing in the morning is your God and my God. And I can tell you definitely, you don't think about God the first thing in the morning. What do we think about and care about the first thing in the morning? It's called the smartphone. Either you're watching Korean movie, <laughs> or you are doing something and you're worried about who you have not, what work you have not done, things that you are supposed to do, you're worried about many things. We live our lives as God, as though God doesn't exist. Let me say this to you, my friend. God is closest to those who need Him the most. I'll say it again. God is closest to those who need Him the most. If you feel, my friend, helpless and you feel you need God, God is closest to you because blessed are those who need who are poor and realize their need for God, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Secondly, God uses those who are grieving. Blessed are those who mourn. 
for they will be comforted. Are you mourning as you look at your life, your world, your relationship, your family? Are you mourning as you look at your families and offices? Or have we become indifferent? Born loser, the cartoon character, the born loser, for those of us older, we know born loser. I mean, the rest, I don't know whether you heard of this guy, born loser. Born loser was asked, what is the difference between ignorance and indifference? He said, I don't know and I don't care. That's how we live our life. The problems of the world are too big and too great. The problem in your family, I, don't, don't tell me, don't, I don't know. And I don't care anyway. But God is asking us to moan, to cry. As you look at your relationship, as you look at your life, are you weeping and say, God? Or have you become ignorant and you don't care? God says, God blessed, blessed are those who moan. What is the promise? For they will be comforted. You see, the Holy Spirit is called the Comforter. Comforter, as all of you know, is parakletos in Greek. In other words, God is coming. Para means coming alongside you. Every day, God is coming alongside you and calling you and encouraging you and saying, I'm comforting you. I'm with you. God blessed those who are mourning and they will be comforted. That's the second kind of person. That's the second characteristic of the person God uses. God uses those who are dependent on Him. God uses those who mourn. And thirdly, God blessed those, uses those who are seeking righteousness. God blesses those who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness or justice, for they will be satisfied or they will be filled. They'll be filled with what? They'll be filled with righteousness. I want you to notice the Beatitudes that blessed are those who hunger and thirst. You know, in Matthew chapter 5, at the end of it, Jesus said, Be ye holy as God is holy. Be as holy as God. Be as righteous as God. But some of us say, how? I'm already so sinful, I'm going to be righteous as God. Let me illustrate for you what this means. Some of you know that my son is a professional guitarist. And uh, one of his favorite pieces is Bohemian Rhapsody by the Queen's. The older people don't know. Or the older one knows or the younger one don't know. What is that? You all know what I'm talking about? Okay, Bohemian Rhapsody, the Queens. Actually, I don't know. You know, when my son said, I'm playing Bohemian, he said, I practice so hard. He's solo and he practiced Bohemian for a few months just to play Bohemian. One person, one guitarist singing all the parts, playing all the, all the parts. I said, why take so long to learn? I don't know, I, don't, I never even heard of that song, honestly. This is his favorite rendition. And so he performed at the Sabbath Jazz Festival. And two years, a few years ago, before the pandemic, and uh, I would usually, we would usually call and say, hey, how did it go, right, after the concert? So at that night, we, he came back and said, hey, how did it go? 
What was it? Oh, so yeah, very good. People gave me a round of applause, standing ovation. I said, how was it? It's okay. Wow, when the son said, okay, you know it's not okay, right? They said, what happened? He said, one string broke while I was playing Bohemian Rhapsody. I was playing Bohemian Rhapsody with five strings. I said, who cares? Do the people know? They didn't know. They were playing with Bohemian Rhapsody with five strings. Then he said, Dad, I know. And what is amazing is that the next two weeks, he began to practice playing Bohemian Rhapsody with five strings, with every string breaking so that he'll be prepared. And he said that, you know, as a musician, I strive for perfection and excellence. And even though I know I can't reach it, but when I strive for perfection and excellence, I will experience drops of perfection and excellence. I love that. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for you will be satisfied. Listen, my friend. Yes, we can't be as holy as God or as righteous as God, but as we hunger and thirst after righteousness, you and I will experience drops of righteousness and perfection. You will experience God. You will be filled. Filled with what? Righteousness. Blessed are those who are hungering after righteousness. You know, those of us who want to seek justice and we are fighting for justice and righteousness, I like this part. God uses those who are merciful. Sometime in our striving for righteousness, we can become so self-righteous. We can become so judgmental. Yeah, this one not so spiritual as I am. You see, I strive. I am more spiritual than you. And then we become judgmental and critical of others. But then Jesus said, Blessed are those who are merciful. Blessed are those who are merciful. For you will obtain mercy. And so I trust that in your strive for righteousness, you'll be merciful as well. This is the tension that we all face. Finally, God uses the humble. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. As you are seeking to live for God, to depend upon God, to mourn, to hunger and thirst after righteousness, to, to show mercy, I hope there will be a spirit of humility to recognize that we are all together in this journey. We are humble. We will, we will rise, we will fall. You see, God loves you just as you are. But God loves you too much to leave you just as you are. We all sing the song, Just As I Am, without one plea. Poor, wretched, blind, we come to God. God loves us just as we are. But God loves you more to leave you just as you are. Well, let me illustrate what this means. You know, in our Christian life, we go through high and low of life, right? Success and failure. We feel holy sometimes, we feel so sinful other time. 
Imagine you have a two-year-old toddler and you ask the two-year-old toddler to draw an elephant. You know, sometimes we say, hey, you know, I remember my kids were very small. I asked them to draw an elephant. But you know, I tell you, the kind of elephant they draw is not like an elephant. You know, the elephant has small ears, the tail very long, you know, and then the, no, the trunk very short. And the worst part about this elephant is orange in color. Oh, my goodness. I say, all oh, my trip to the zoo, all wasted. My God, this kind of elephant. Do you, let me ask you as a parent, and look to your two-year-old child and say, what a stupid elephant. All the trips to the zoo, all wasted. Do you? What do you say to your two-year-old kid? That was the most beautiful elephant I've seen in my life. So creative, so, so miraculous type of elephant. It must be from another planet. <laughs> Listen, my friend. Sometimes we struggle to live our Christian life. We give God our orange elephant. But what about the orange elephant? It comes from the heart. The child drew it from the heart. And you say, what a wonderful... And God is saying to you, my friend, what a beautiful orange elephant you're giving me. Beautiful. I love it. Becomes, because it's come from your heart. But can you imagine your two-year-old kid has become a 20-year-old adult? And if the 20-year-old adult still draw an orange elephant. Oh my goodness, something is wrong. You better slap him and wake him up. <laughs> Am I correct? Listen, my friend. How long have you been a Christian? Are you still a two-year-old? Or 20-year-old, 30, 40? Are you still as unkind are you still orange, doing, drawing your orange elephant? Are you demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, kindness, faithfulness. Are you, as more, are you more generous now than two years ago or 20 years ago? Have you grown? Have your elephant grown? Don't keep drawing the orange elephant. The orange elephant must be more like elephant. You must be more and more like God, my friend. May God help us. You see, no experience is ever wasted unless we waste it by not learning from it. Experience is not what happens to you, it's what you do with what happens to you. Listen, God gives us many experiences in the life, high and low experience. We must learn from it and grow from it and become, draw better elephants. More like God. I want to now share with you a short video, an interview by Oprah, Oprah Winfrey with Nelson Mandela, which probably will just encapsulate all that I've said. So let's play the video and maybe we can have the lights off. How can you find B? 
be a peacemaker, you must be honest with yourself. You must change yourself. And then the most important quality is to humble. That you are no threat to anybody. God's will of changing the world has never changed. He gives you a choice. Remember what is God's purpose? God's purpose is to rebuild lives and make peace. God's method has never changed. God uses you and me. Thirdly, God's will of changing the world has never changed. He allows people to make the choice. He doesn't force you. God gives us the choice how we live for Him or for ourselves. And listen, my friend, that choice is made every day until it becomes habit. You choose either to be a peacemaker or a troublemaker in your home, in your family. You choose whether you need God or you live your life in self-sufficiency. I don't need God. I live my life as though God doesn't exist. You choose whether you are going to grieve over pain, or you mourn, or you have become indifference to pain, to all the things that are happening around the world. You choose whether you're going to live and seek after righteousness, or you're going to live for evil or any injustice. You choose whether you're going to show mercy to people, or you become so self-righteous, and you choose whether you're going to be humble or being arrogant. I want to close with a story about my daughter, Macy. My daughter, Macy, studied at Northwestern University, an undergraduate there. And uh, she went under the PM scholarship, not Prime Minister, it's Papa and Mama scholarship and almost destroyed all my income. Because it's very expensive to study at Northwestern University. An undergraduate from Northwestern University makes about US $80,000 a year. I thought my ROI is secured. It's not so bad that you calculate. Huh? Maybe after five years, everything is okay. But she chose to teach at North Light School. North Light School... First month, no pay. After that, $96 every day, okay? And then she gave up a Cambridge full scholarship, completely paid for. It's Cambridge University in England, not Cambridge somewhere. Cambridge University in England, full scholarship because she wanted to go to Mexico to learn tutorial relationship from Dr. Gabriel. After the undergrad, she came back to teach at North Light School. North Light School is called the school of failure in Singapore. You know why? Because they chose the last boy or last girl in a primary school, you know, 120 school, the last boy, the last girl, and they bring all of them together to teach them. And then their qualification, very high one, no? You must fail PSLE twice. You fail once, I cannot go in. Very atas, you know. And their score, PSLE score, is 50 and below. The maximum is 300. And I will tell you about this school. 
Because one third of them have learning disability, one third comes from dysfunctional home, one third academically challenged, and all the scores in mathematics, they get a grade called UG. You know what is UG? Ungradable. It's like, I better not, great paise, you know. Better UG, nobody knows. You thought, wow, a special grade. They are 14-year-old boys and girls. They have reading level uh, of primary one. They can't even spell properly. My daughter chose to teach at North Flight School. And then she wrote this reflection. I want to cry because students really know how to test your limits and drive you nuts. They, make, they can make you laugh so hard. You know, all these kids, they can make you laugh so hard and you can't help it. It's painful to see these grades go through daily. It's a display of how broken and unjust our world is. Students was abandoned. There was one student who was abandoned by his friend at the young age, but he loves his sister and he goes back to love the sister. And then there was a boy who refused to go home after school and he stayed on till six o'clock. And my daughter had to be with him every day to stay on up till six o'clock. And, and my daughter asked, why don't you want to go home? Because every time he goes, he gets bashed up by the parents. She, went, she said, I go back and forth trying to understand my role. Balancing between understanding and assertive, between discipling and disciplining, between friendship and authority, commanding respect from these kids who have never been respected in their lives. But she said, God is a miracle worker. I managed to get one of the best jobs in the world, teaching at North Light School. That's why I'm so glad my life is God's. And when he's at the driver's wheel, I have less to worry about. Life has been exciting and leading in all directions. Right now, I'm so thrilled to teach. She gave up her Cambridge to go to Mexico. And I said, you're mad. Whoever gave up Cambridge scholarship to go to Mexico. I said, you know what is Mexico or not, girl? Kidnappers, robbers, drug addicts, drug pushers. And I tell you, you'll be raped after the first month. I, want, I didn't want her to go. But she made the choice. She chose to spend one year going to the utmost villages so that she can turn, learn tutorial relationship. She became one of the world's number, top 100 innovative methods. And she's transforming five schools in Thailand. She chose. I was a reluctant father. I stopped her. I tried to dissuade her. But she chose. Listen, my friend, you have a choice. God's purpose of changing the world has never changed. He uses people. God wants you to be a peacemaker, to rebuild. Like it must start with you. And together, my friend, together, like Nelson Mandela, together, we can rebuild this broken world. And Jesus' invitation is always open. 
And he's saying to you, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Whoever hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. And listen, when Jesus said, I am knocking at your door, it is banging at your door. Every day in your heart, it's banging at the door and say, Are you going to open the door of your heart to me? Will you let me come in and change you? As we closed, God is knocking at your door he's saying are you going to open your heart to decide to live for him will you pray with me God is speaking to you today God's purpose is to rebuild life God's method is to use you and God's will is to let you choose let's pray together in the quietness of your heart in the quietness of your heart I want you to make a decision today. It is so easy to walk away from this service and just be emotionally touched. But God wants you to decide. Is there someone that you need to reach out to? Or maybe it's your life that God wants to repair and rebuild. Is it God help me? Are you crying for help? God is closest to those who need Him the most. Or is there someone that you want to reach out to and you want to rebuild? It is your marriage, your family, your child, your son, your daughter, your office, your church. You say, God, you're so good. You're so good. Allow me. Allow me. Allow allow you to come into my life because you're knocking at my door every day. May God help us. Father, we thank you. We thank you. unmistakably to rebuild lives. Help us today to open my life and make the choice to live every day for you until it becomes habit. Then we become more godlike. Thank you. Thank you that you serve you. Your love chases after us. Stay where you are, everybody. Even as Dr. John leaves. I just feel in my spirit that it's such a wonderful message and we need to respond. I'm not going to call you out. I just want you in your spirit as all heads bowed, all eyes closed. You know in your heart that there's something in that message that's spoken to you. Don't know what it is. It could be you being a peacemaker. It could also be you in the circumstance, the situation, in your college, in your business, in your work, where there is turmoil, where there is unrest. It could very well be in your family, this feud going on between yourself, your siblings, your parents, even you and your children. I know that when these sort of messages go forth, God will now enter into your life when uh, when you humble yourself when you walk when you grieve so all heads bowed all eyes closed if you're in that kind of situation where in your workplace there is constant unrest fights quarrels in your family 
No one looking around. Very sensitive. All the call. You stand. Because I'm going to pray for you. When I pray, I will invoke an authority given to me as a senior pastor of this church. That God will come into your situation. And there will be peace. All his bubble, all eyes closed. I'm going to wait. Any one of you feels that in your situation, there is so much turmoil, so much redress. You stay. No one looking around. Because peace is a commodity that money can never buy. Only the Prince of Peace can give you peace. Only the God of Peace Father, we thank you that our hearts are completely open to you. You know the struggles. You know the failures. You know how sinful we are. But yet, God, you are are reaching out to each one of us so that we may open our hearts. No matter how old we are, no matter how young we are, No matter how long we have been away, no matter how far and how deep we have been in our sin, you are still wanting to use us because you can transform us. Thank you. Thank you. And you see those who are standing and those of us who have unuttered prayers, Lord, you know, help us, Lord. We are weak. We need you. We can't do it ourselves. Open hearts and open minds, and we receive you into our life again to walk, to be a peacemaker, to rebuild our lives and the lives of those that are broken. Thank you, Lord. Thank you in Jesus' name. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to commit all those people who are standing in your presence right now. Father, this is the house of God. We are safe here because if God is here, Nothing, nobody else will be here. So in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I speak to every life, every situation that is being stated before you as this stand and many others, Lord, as whatever it is, you know our situation. And we know that you want to have peace. That's what the angels said and declared and we sang at your birth. Peace on earth. Goodwill towards all men because peace is always in your heart. You are Jehovah Shalom. 
Jehovah Shalom. So God, we invite Jehovah Shalom into every situation right now in Jesus' name. That there will be peace. Peace. I leave with you my peace. Jesus says, I give to you, not as the world gives. Give I to you. Let not your heart be troubled. as we hold on to your word the goodness of God will follow us as we leave this place as we walk out of this auditorium surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives not only today not only this week but all the days of our lives and we will dwell in the house of the now with your blessing bring us back safely home so that we can go back home and bless our families and this coming week will be a wonderful because the goodness of the Lord will run after us and so may the Lord bless you and keep you in this day may the Lord make his face always to shine upon you Say aloud. Come on, let's give God a good clap offering. God bless you.